and welcome to this bonus episode of Fishy Business. We've commissioned Economist Impact to bring you this special episode with Carissa Farmer to talk about data protection and how it relates to cybersecurity. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Signals and Noise, the new normal in cybersecurity, a podcast series by Economist Impact, exploring what today's business leaders need to know about tomorrow's new normal in cybersecurity. We are unpacking what's changed and what hasn't, asking experts to help us separate hype from reality when it comes to trends in cybersecurity. My name is Wade Islin, and I'll be your host. Signals and Noise, the new normal in cybersecurity, is sponsored by Mimecast, a leading provider of cloud cybersecurity services for email, data, and web, and we thank them for their support. Cybersecurity continues to increase in scope and complexity as digital transformation marches forward. The benefits of greater organizational efficiencies and new working models are tempered by challenges. From an expanded attack surface and a lack of user awareness to ransomware attacks and nation-state espionage. Headline-grabbing cyber attacks have become the status quo. Amidst a deluge of information on the cybersecurity landscape, unpacking the signal from the noise can be a challenge. Over the next few episodes, we'll be speaking with experts in order to cut through to the core of what leaders need to know about key issues in cybersecurity and understand where the future is headed. In this episode, we'll be discussing the intersection of data governance and cybersecurity. As data regulations proliferate around the world, the complexity of corporate data governance has increased. Though these regulations drive organizations to improve their cybersecurity in order to meet compliance standards, on top of the benefits they can hold for consumers and markets, they also increase the number of considerations for firms. This is especially true of the data privacy standards of these regulations. Organizations need to learn to navigate this growing array of compliance and data risk management activities in tandem with cybersecurity efforts. In addition, customer demands in this area especially for secure and private data, are placing additional pressure on firms. Today we're joined by Ms. Carissa Varma, Chief Information Security Officer at Old Mutual Limited, one of Africa's largest insurers. Thank you for joining us, Ms. Varma. Thank you so much, Wade. It's great to be here. So what is data governance and why is it important for firms? And what does it actually have to do with cybersecurity? Yeah, it's such a great conversation to link both disciplines together. Um, Data governance speaks to the collection of processes, roles, standards, metrics, and frameworks to actually manage uh, and enable an organization to use data effectively to achieve its outcomes and its goals for its customers and its employees. Um, And if you think about cybersecurity, cybersecurity is all about protecting data wherever it may lie. Um, And so the disciplines are very closely linked and actually lend beautifully to each other. And how would you define data governance or how could you, for those who, who are listening who may not know what data governance actually is, what's included under the umbrella of data governance? So data governance talks about everything from a perspective of making sure you have accurate data, 
to making sure you're collecting the data that is required by law. So it leans on regulation. It leans on um, frameworks and practices to be able to say, are we governing the way we use data effectively as an organization? Um, and are we um, using it in a manner that our customers have given us permission to use it? Can we ensure it's always accurate and ready for use when we need it? And can we make sure that it's actually predictable and reliably available when we need it? Can we draw insights from it as well? So what does the current compliance landscape look like? What has changed when it comes to data governance versus, say, a few years ago? I think the compliance landscape for data governance has changed exponentially. And I'm not a data governance expert, but just by the nature of the experience that we have from cybersecurity of data governance, you can see there's a massive drive in the legislative space around how we manage data as organizations and what we do with data. Everything from a GDPR, from a privacy perspective. In South Africa, we have a regulation called Puppy, um, which defines how we manage you know, personal information, as well as multiple laws across the U.S. that have pieces of requirements for data governance. I think the legislative landscape has become increasingly complex, um, especially for an organization that is a multinational organization that is operating across multiple different countries or regions. It becomes really complicated to understand the full breadth of regulation that you need to comply with. So I think that, you know, when you look at legislation around data governance, it's, it's increasing exponentially. I don't see that trend stopping. I think it's probably going to continue for the countries that don't have strict regulations today. They're probably going to start getting it in the near future. And there is a degree of consolidation with things like GDPR and, and multiple you know, areas sort of adopting that, which does make things a bit easier to navigate. And so as this landscape of regulations changes exponentially, as you said, what are the implications of that for cybersecurity? I think, you know, it's it's really interesting because as cyber professionals, we are protecting data wherever it lies. And if you think back to 10, 15 years ago, all of your data lay within your data center. You know, you could put your arms around it and you could hold it. That was where your data was. Um, if you look at where the world is going to uh, with cloud applications, remote working, suppliers all over the world globally, that control of our data is perhaps not as ring-fenced as it was 15 years ago. And so data governance really plays a pivotal role in helping and enabling cybersecurity because it helps pinpoint exactly where our data is, what mechanisms are actually allowed or not allowed to be able to use data, and what are the sanctioned and non-sanctioned areas to, to store data and process data. It's a huge enabler of being able to understand your footprint your data footprint, and by understanding your data footprint, then understanding where your critical data actually lies. Because I think a lot of us have a theory of where our data lies and where it doesn't lie. And in a lot of instances, I think we're probably wrong about where it doesn't lie. <laughs> and so this really, having a strong data governance program allows you to put confidence in the fact that you understand where your data is and you understand where your most critical data is and you can start applying controls around that critical data because visibility is everything in cybersecurity. If you can't see the data, you can't protect it. Do you think there's any aspect of data governance or, or the intersection of data governance and cybersecurity that isn't getting enough attention? Yeah, um, I think if you're talking about what doesn't get enough attention, I think we've got data governance programs that really, they go on two extremes. You go to people that are, you know, just 
really focused on risk and being very restrictive. And then you've got people that are only really caring about generating value from data and not really caring about the risk element. And for me, I think that the biggest benefit comes in the balance. And it's easier said than done, but finding that balance in that middle ground that says, I'm managing risk and I'm protecting my customers and protecting my employees. And, you know, I'm doing all the good stuff that I should be doing as an ethical uh, organization. But also I'm looking at, you know, how do I service people better? How do I improve my capabilities? How do I use data to generate information that I can be more proactive with? And that balance is really critical. So if you ask me what's not getting enough attention, it's making sure that that we're maintaining that balance. We're not veering off to either extreme because there's detriments when we do that. And is there anywhere where you might push back against received wisdom or expert consensus on the issue of data governance, especially as it pertains to cybersecurity? Yeah, I mean, um, I've seen so many cybersecurity programs fail because they don't take data governance seriously. Um, In cyber, we've got this concept of crown jewel data. I mean, we all talk about it. Where's our most critical data? And I laughed earlier because I said, I think we all have a view of where our data is and where it's not. And if you don't get the data governance elements right, if you're not saying this is how we use data as an organization and there's the rules that we play by for information and data, you will never have a complete view of your crown jewel data. And having that complete view is absolutely critical to a cyber strategy. You cannot have a successful cybersecurity program if you don't have a complete view of your crown jewels and put all your defensive mechanisms and controls around that crown jewel data. So I think, you know, where organizations traditionally sometimes have a data governance program running in a stream and a cybersecurity program running in a stream, I think we're losing an opportunity for collaboration to strengthen both programs. On the flip side, which is also conventional wisdom that I think is not serving us very well, is the cybersecurity community doesn't share as much as it should of our own technology with the data governance forums and communities within the industry. I mean, if you look at what we have at our disposal, we've got things like vulnerability management tools that can scan our networks and find devices. That's hugely beneficial to a data governance program if they want to understand what are all the devices out there that are actually consuming information. So this sharing between the data governance uh, program and the cybersecurity program is really, bi-directionally, is really critical to make sure both programs are strong enough to get sustainable change into an organization in the manner in which the organization can actually accept it. So what do you think this collaboration could or should look like in practice? Yeah. So, I mean, if your CISO and your chief data officer are not having regular conversations, that's probably a red flag. So I honestly believe that those two roles are so pivotal to each other that you need to have a very strong relationship between those two roles. So if you ask me what good looks like, I would have strategies for data and cyber that are very interlocked, that play off each other's strengths to be able to achieve an outcome. I would have teams that would intrinsically understand both sides of the fence. I would have a cyber team that understands, you know, obviously they're not experts, but understand data governance. And I'd have a data governance team that understands cyber to a degree. Um, interestingly enough, there's, there's actually, uh, in some instances, I've seen where this works, where teams understand both sides of the fence, flagging of issues and concerns that actually get resolved in a stronger manner because they understand both dynamics. They understand the cyber dynamic and the data governance dynamic. So that collaboration and cohesion is really important. And what also you know, has worked well for me in the past is I use my own team as a guinea pig. 
So we test against ourselves. So we'll have soft launches of combination controls that we put in from a data governance and security perspective. We'll soft launch it to our team, which is the security team, as well as the data governance team. And we'll have this soft launch run for a while and we'll be devil's advocate and talk about, actually, I don't like doing it this way because it's making my job harder. Or, you know, I don't want to do it in this manner. I'd rather do it in this manner before we do the full launch. And just the bringing together of both those teams to actually look at that control from different perspectives has actually led to a stronger control going out to the organization as well as more cohesion between the teams because they're working together on something. And what's the role of boards in this process or these processes? (laughs) I think over the last few years, uh, boards have become increasingly interested in both cybersecurity and data governance. And I think it's been driven by a few things. I think, first of all, I spoke about regulation really driving this keen interest in data governance and cybersecurity. Also, there's a lot of horror stories in the media around, you know, where things have gone poorly, organizations that have not been able to apply the right controls and, you know, have been found lacking. And so no board member wants or no executive team wants, you know, the organization that they are responsible and accountable for to actually go through something like that. So there's a keen interest from the board to understand these capabilities, to be able to engage with them. And it's, I guess, a CISO's role then to be able to make it digestible, to make it really practical as to what the organization's doing, as well as what the organization's not doing. Because, you know, I think any CISO out there that says I'm fixing everything and I, you know, I sleep well at night is probably um, <laughs> not, not being completely honest. But, you know, just to make it really clear about what's being done to protect data, where we are and where we are going. So what's left to fix and why we believe at this point in time the risk is either you know low or high or medium or wherever it is. I think that's really critical to be able to play up to a board and to build the confidence around the fact that you're moving in the right direction. And boards are beginning to demand that. I mean, it's the question you will face if you don't prepare yourself to have that discussion today, your board members are going to ask you anyway because they're becoming a lot more savvy around it. Do you feel like there are any aspects of even, let's just say, cybersecurity issues more broadly, where there may be common misunderstandings or misperceptions on the part of board members? Yeah, you know, I think it's becoming less and less, Wade. But I think if I think back a few years, I think boards are becoming a lot more comfortable with the fact that continuous change is the name of the game in technology and cybersecurity. You know, it's not an investment that you make and you put on the shelf and it's, it's good for 10 years. It's not, that's not what happens. The world is changing too quickly. So I think we're coming away from this conception or this misconception that I buy something and I solve a problem forever. You know, I buy the technology and the technology is great and it's the problem solved forever. If you think about what's happened in cybersecurity over the last 10 years, capabilities that didn't exist 10 years ago are now mainstream. Endpoint detection and response. 10 years ago, it didn't exist. Everyone was, you know, antivirus is the end all and be all for protecting your devices. Uh, Endpoint detection and response came about. And now if you don't have endpoint detection and response, you're actually, you know, lacking. You you, you should have it. It's a staple in, in, in anyone's arsenal. So I think boards are becoming a lot more comfortable around the fact that, you know, continuous change is needed just to stay on the front foot. And I think in pockets, we have a misconception that I spend X to solve a risk and that risk goes away. It's actually not the case. The world evolves as that implementation happens and lands, something else adjusts and you need to pivot further. 
So I think the misconception that I would say we're starting to move away from is silver bullet, get something in, and I've sold cybersecurity risk. I think we're going now to a point where boards understand that continuous improvement is the name of the game. And how much do boards actually need to know? And I frame it this way only because most companies aren't cybersecurity companies, right? I mean, and boards of directors have a lot of other things to be worrying about just you know, with how the business is doing. And, and you know, they may have obviously various other specific responsibilities on the board. But you know, what is the amount of knowledge given this you know, need for continuous work, as you've said, and how fast everything is changing? What is the level of understanding that board members should have around issues of cybersecurity and data governance? Yeah. You know, I think especially for large organizations and financial service organizations or highly regulated organizations, it is actually a skill that the board does need to have. When your regulators and your uh, customers have such high expectations of an organization, it is critical that the board has the same high expectations. Otherwise, there's a clear mismatch between what your customers and your regulators are asking you for and your board is asking you for and the level of importance. So I think it is a critical skill for the board to have, but I think it's the the CISO's role to digest information into a manner that it can actually be consumed by the board. So, you know, not deeply technical information. I mean, our board members are not, or not many of them are not deep techies. So going in with a completely technical review or report, you're going to have eyes glaze over at you. You know, you need to get to the crux of the risk that you're talking about get to the crux of the opportunity that you're talking about and sort of identify how do you move forward and solve challenges. And that's really what the board is interested in. They're interested in how you solve problems and you move forward. Can they trust you to actually uh, get on with the job and the technical details and to just give them the assurance that it's getting done and where you need help to put up your hand for help? And that's the relationship that you really need to build with the board. And that's the expectation in my experience of what the board has of us. So one last question around this topic turning this on its head a little bit, as a CISO yourself, what would be the best questions that a board member could ask you to get the information that they need to be well-informed to a reasonable level on the issue of cybersecurity, or again, cybersecurity and data governance more broadly? It's a very vague question, but I'm purposefully putting it in as a vague question. But I would expect the board to ask me, how protected are we? So, and, and there's multiple ways you can answer this. You can go, well, compared to peers, we're here. Or you can go, compared to our business strategy, we're here. Or compared to where we're going in the next year, this is where we are. But I would expect that question and I would expect the person answering the question to be able to answer it in a manner that makes business sense and says, well, as an organization, we're actually going to be taking on this new scenario, this new capability. So are we protected? Yes. Are we protected for where we're going? Probably 50%, and we'll get to 80% before we go live. So I would expect that type of conversation to happen at the board, and I would expect that type of challenge. It would be at a high level, are we protected? But then the respondent needs to be able to bring in the business context around you know, what's happening in the business and how you're actually adding controls to protect the organization. So looking ahead to the future and in light of the past, what would you say are the most important trends right now at the intersection of cybersecurity and data governance? I mean, I've spent a lot of time thinking about supply chain attacks. So that one, you know, just pops out as you ask that question, because 
if you think about what we've done from an information security and a cyber security perspective is we've gone about evaluating third parties to make sure that they have secure controls in place, that you know we've got a good risk posture around who we partner with, et cetera. But I believe there's an opportunity that we're missing. And I can see the world moving in that direction with regards to zero trust. And I'll explain that in a bit now. But if you look at sustainably solving supply chain risk, you have to look at it in three ways. The first one is data governance. So actually, who are you sharing your data with and what data are you sharing with them? If you don't understand that, you can apply all the controls and all the risk management. You're not going to have a full picture of what you need to protect and who you need to protect the most. So that data governance element is like really critical from a cybersecurity perspective with regards to managing supply chain attack. The second component is then obviously understanding posture, which is, you know, there's lots of technologies out there that do posture assessment. Uh, all of us do our own risk assessments of third parties. So that component really analyzes posture. And then the third thing is what I call societal upliftment, which is how do we sustainably uplift everyone around us from a security and data governance perspective? Because I think where we were, you know, 10 years ago, it was both stronger fences than your neighbor. You know, you, as long as you have a stronger fence than your neighbor, you're, you're safe. Um, the world is so interconnected today. We're like hyper-connected today that if you don't have the societal upliftment of data governance and cybersecurity, you are still going to fail. So that upliftment needs to happen. People that you work with, companies that you work with need to understand the importance of data governance and cybersecurity, not just your own staff and your own people. You have to extend that portfolio. And the reason that I said there's an interesting dynamic that's starting to build around zero trust is because if you look at zero trust, it assumes that you don't trust anyone. There is zero trust, literally. And you prove trust to be able to gain access to data. And so that's a really strong pivot and move forward to building towards I think what all data governance people are, are trying to achieve, which is as restricted access to data as possible, but allowing people to be able to achieve the integration and consumption that they need to when they need to do it. So that's an interesting dynamic that's starting to build, I think, between cybersecurity and data governance. Thinking again about current trends and looking towards the future, do you think that there are any data governance and cyber risks that are overstated? And again, they may still be risks, but where you think the, the you know, public perception or even board perception of the level of risk may be somewhat overstated or overheightened relative to the risk in practice. I mean, it's such an interesting conversation because I was chatting to someone the other day and they were specifically on supply chain risk. They were in a flat panic about supply chain risk. And they were, you know, heading up security in a smaller entity, quite a small organization. And so I said to them, well, how many suppliers do you actually have? And they were like, well, we've got three suppliers. And I'm like, but, you know, with three suppliers, you can really manage your supply chain risk. So panic is probably not where you need to be right now. And then the second question I asked them was, do you have multi-factor authentication? And they said, no. And I said, well, stop panicking about supply chain risk and start panicking about the fact that you don't have multi-factor authentication. That's a bigger risk. <laughs> you know, you're, you're leaving your front door open and you're worrying about your neighbor's front door. Worry about your own front door first. And so I think we tend as a security industry to follow media hype a lot of the time. And, you know, 
you have to bring context of your organization into the picture. Yes, supply chain risk is a huge risk. We're all scared about it and worried about it and doing lots of stuff around it. But in your own context, is it actually a big risk to your organization? Is it a big risk to you? And is that where you should be spending your money and your time and your effort? Or should you be securing the front door and putting in multi-factor authentication? So I think there's misconceptions between different you know, based on what your own context is. Don't just take what the media is saying as the highest risk. Understand what your own context is and then apply logic, use data to actually analyze where you should be spending your time and money. And so that for me just, you know, springs to mind as a conversation I had recently where I go, please, please, please fix multi-factor authentication before you start panicking about your three suppliers. (laughs) So is it fair to say then that the risks that are overstated are those that don't actually apply to one's organization? Exactly. And I think that the last point I made there was using data to actually tell you where you invest, right? Because how many of us actually use media sensationalization of something to actually say, I'm going to be investing in this space? Whereas the data tells us I have a massive hole in this space. My AI is telling me there are issues. Here's where the majority of your incidents are coming from. That should be where I should be spending my money, not necessarily on something that's topical today because I don't know how it applies to me. So I think we need to keep our eyes and ears open, understand the risks out there, but bring it back to your own context. Understand your own context and those become the critical risks for you. And where do you think we'll be 18 months from now or even two years from now when it comes to data governance and again, this intersection of data governance and cybersecurity? I see three fields sort of merging and melding, well, maybe four even. But I mean, I see data governance and cybersecurity becoming a stronger link. I see fraud and cybersecurity becoming a stronger link. And I see business resilience and cybersecurity becoming a stronger link. So I think those disciplines all lend to each other and they all benefit each other. And I think that, you know, looking to the future in 18 months, if we're not at least building stronger relationships, I think we're actually going to see some sort of consolidation of some of these capabilities. Just thinking about um, the way we use data, um, cyber and fraud as an element. Um, If you were thinking about trying to defraud an organization 20 years ago, you would steal a form, you would fill in some incorrect data, you would then send it through a batch process that would then allow you to commit fraud. If you're thinking about how you commit fraud today, it's all an online transactional process. So you breach some part of that process, whether it's via cyber breach or some other type of breach, and then you infiltrate that process. You use fictitious data, which is then obviously not validated or you know um, strong enough, and then you commit fraud. Those three disciplines are becoming increasingly linked together. And I think we're going to see some type of consolidation going forward, if not in a role, at least via collaboration. And then this is actually going to be the topic of the next episode of our podcast. But looking even further ahead, you know, say five or 10 years, what concerns you? What gives you hope when it comes to cybersecurity or data governance? You know what? I think the thing that concerns me is also the thing that gives me the most hope, which is going to sound a bit (laughs) controversial. So the thing that concerns me is I think we have you know we've we've gone from being on the fence with digital adoption to now being really i want everything digitally and i think covid-19 has really catalyzed digital adoption in a lot of industries that would not have naturally gotten there organically over a period of time 
So people are demanding digital services and organizations have had to pivot to provide these digital services very quickly. What that has done is it's created this huge demand for skills, digital skills, technology skills, cybersecurity skills, the whole host of skills. And I don't think we could have organically predicted that pivot as quickly as it would have happened. And so I think a lot of organizations are on the back foot with, from a skills perspective, just trying to catch up, trying to attract skills, retain skills, create skills, grow skills. It's just a hugely complicated environment to be able to just service the degree of demand that we have right now. That does worry me. So I often say that um, the cybersecurity skills shortage is the next pandemic that we're going to have a skills shortage pandemic in essence. The difference is that we can see this pandemic coming. We can predict that it's going to be here and we can do something about it. And I think that's what gives me hope. I think we are taking on, as All Mutual, so many new graduates every year. I mean, we took on 10 graduates this year just in cybersecurity. I mean, we've taken 60 across technology. But with the 10 graduates that we've taken, I've seen a hunger to learn, a passion to want to try things, a desire to adapt And so that has given me a lot of hope that we have a lot of great people that are really entering the field and wanting to become cyber experts, which is great. The other thing that's hugely encouraging um, and something I'm very passionate about is the fact that I'm seeing so many mid-career people make a change and come into cybersecurity. I was chatting to someone the other day and I said, I've got someone that's um, ex-marketing in my team. He's got no technology background, no cybersecurity background. He's a proper marketing person. Um, He's in my awareness team and he is doing beautifully because he understands how people think and he uses how people think to influence behavior. And it's just absolutely fabulous. I've got someone that's ex-military that's actually in my response, in my cyber response team. And calm under pressure, really brings a team with him, very methodical in his approach because that's his background and his skills. So if you think about, you know, this opportunity to join cyber, it's just huge because it's such a broad field that you can really enter the field from so many different aspects and be very useful. So those two things really give me hope. The guys that are joining us mid-career and the graduates that I'm seeing are just giving me lots of hope that we've got the right talent out there. We just need to exploit it um, to make sure we do something about getting the right skills in. So we're ending each episode of this series by asking our guests to give their 30-second elevator pitch for business leaders around each episode's theme. So what would your proposal be to business leaders for using data governance to build effective cybersecurity or for using cybersecurity to build effective data governance, right? You know, either way. Yeah. Um, I think I would say you can't protect what you can't see. You, you, your entire program of cybersecurity is built around protecting assets that you can find and see. Information is just another asset. Data is just another asset. So being able to understand that asset, where it is, how it's processed, how it's used, which is data governance, is absolutely critical in a successful cybersecurity program. You can't do one without the other. And if you try, you will, but you'll have a half picture of your world and half the level of protection that you should have to protect your organization and your customers. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was great being here. That concludes the second episode of Signals and Noise, the new normal in cybersecurity. If you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast to join us for future conversations. 
Thanks again to our sponsor, Mimecast. You can also learn more by reading our paper of the same name, Signals and Noise, The New Normal in Cybersecurity, which can be found in the show notes for this podcast and at our sponsor, Mimecast's website. Thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope you will join us again soon for the next one. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're hearing this. And feel free to follow us on our Twitter page at Mimecast if you'd like to learn more about what we discussed.